Thank you for listening to the Mutual Audio Network. Please don't turn that dial. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Hi, this is Pete with the casting change announcement. The role of Chris Greenslate is now being played by Victoria Fonsky. Thank you. Sixty Three Audio presents Jake Dimes, Range Detective, a tale of the old west by Pete Lutz, starring the Narada Radio Company. Tonight, Chapter Seven, Joining the Gang. Our story so far, Jake Dimes, an operative for the Pinkelson Detective Agency out of Celestial City, is going by Jake Dawson as he investigates a series of payroll robberies from the D-Bar-D Ranch in Arizona. When last we saw Jake, he was hogtied to a chair in a tumble-down shack on the fringe of the Rolling End Ranch's border. Captured and imprisoned by Birch Hickam, Jake has been visited only once by a beautiful girl carrying bread and water, who turned out to be Hickam's sister, Betty Jo. But Betty Jo isn't just a pretty face, as we found out at the end of our last episode. As we take up our tale again, having arrived back at the Rolling End Ranch House, Chris leaves the injured girl she thinks is Nancy Hicks in the capable hands of her servant Lupe and goes in search of her father. Dad? There you are. Hello, Dad. I'm back. I wanted to apologize for the way I acted earlier. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you had someone with you. Mr. Hickam. Ah, Christine. Glad you made it back safely, dear. Hickam has just returned with his search party and was starting to give me his report. Go ahead, Hickam. Uh, yes, sir. Ain't much to tell. Uh, My men and me, we scouted the eastern fence line for about ten miles and didn't find no sign of Dawson. It started getting dark around that time, so we headed back. All right, Hickam. What do you think about taking up the search again tomorrow at first light? We can if you want us to, Mr. Greenslate. We could tackle the western fence line, maybe. I I was just on the western fence line, Dad, and I... I didn't find anything either. Except... Yes, dear? Uh, Except what? I did find something. Or rather, someone. A girl. She's hurt, and I brought her back here. Lupe's looking after her now. A girl? She's in the kitchen. She said her horse was frightened by a snake and threw her, and she twisted her ankle. I've never seen her before. Well, I haven't had much of a chance to get a good look at her, but there's no missing her red hair. She didn't say much on the ride back. Why didn't you see how Lupe's doing on the girl's injury, and get her some food? Ask her if she'd like to be our guest for the night. All right. But I'm going to want to talk to you later when... You're alone. Well, was that everything, Hickam? Uh, no, sir. There was one other thing I wanted to talk to you about. Well, make it quick. I have a few things to do before I go to bed. Yes, sir. Well, 
Mr. Greenslate, it's about this feller Dawson. Well, have you heard tell anything about the payroll robberies going over to the D-Bar D? Yes, I feel badly for Slim Sutcliffe. He's a good man. What's this got to do with Dawson? Well, sir, just this. I got my suspicions that this here Dawson feller is a part of the gang that's been bushwhacking the payroll riders. What? Hickam, where on earth did you come up with that idea? Well, it stands to reason, sir, that the gang of robbers is fellers as ain't been seen round here afore. Eh, go on. And Dawson shows up out of nowhere two weeks after the last robbery and within a few days is arrested by the sheriff? Well, it makes an hombre a mite suspicious is all. Sheriff Conroy told Christine that that had been nothing but a case of mistaken identity. Eh, don't put any stock in it, Hickam. I'm sure this is nothing but coincidence. But, sir, I... That's all, Hickam. Good night. But, I... Take your men to the western fence line tomorrow morning and take up the search for Dawson again. That's all. Yes, sir. So, sometimes it pays to listen at keyholes. So you suspect Jake Dawson of being a criminal. <laughs> Ridiculous. This must be what Jake was warning me about in his note the other day. Well, obviously my father doesn't believe you, Hickam, and neither do I. Oh dear, I nearly forgot about our guest. I'd better go to the kitchen and see how Miss Hicks is faring. Hello, Lupe. Where's our guest? Did you finish wrapping her ankle? No, Senorita Chris. She leave right after you go see your papa. She say it was joke and you understand. What? She shared a saddle with me for ten miles and all for a joke? What the devil is going on here? Sis, nice work so far, kid. Thanks. Got that horse you promised me? Yep. Tell it about a quarter mile from the gate. You won't have to worry about the patrol rider. Thanks. So long. I'm off to get some rest. And in the morning, I'll go see our mutual friend. And you'll talk to him about, you know. Don't worry, brother. That fellow hasn't thought about anything but me since I left him this morning. <laughs> so long. <laughs> so long, sis. Good luck.
Well, looky here. If it ain't the red-headed pitfire. <coughs> Couldn't keep away, eh? <coughs> they don't call me Sweet Lips Jake for nothing, you know. Good morning, Sweet Lips. You look like hell. Thank you kindly. You look <coughs> as bright and shiny as a $10 gold piece. Why, Mr. Dawson, you'll turn a girl's head with sweet talk like that. I've brought you some breakfast. Shall I untie your hand as I did yesterday? <coughs> if you don't mind listening while you're eating, Mr. Dawson, there's a proposition I'd like to put to you. Hmm? Very well, then. My brother and I have spoken about you at length, and we've come to the conclusion that you'd be a much better ally than enemy. With that in mind, we invite you to join us and help us with the next payroll... Um... Evolution. What do you say? Well, now, that's a mighty nice offer, Miss Betty Jo. If you don't mind my asking, what makes you think I'd be interested? Well, have you had any better offers? Uh, nope. I can't rightly say I have. What would be my cut of the deal? A straight 20%. There are four of us now, and if you joined us, you'd be the fifth. Um, nope. No? Well, how much do you want? I couldn't do it for less than 30%. Thirty? Why, that's preposterous. I wouldn't dare bring you in for more than twenty-five. Hmm, well, I reckon I could do it for twenty-five percent. Off the top, though. You drive a hard bargain, Mr. Dawson. Deal. Call me Jake, Miss Betty Jo. Shall we shake on it? I've got a better idea. Now, Miss Betty Jo. Before you go and get all slobbery on me, I feel obliged to tell you that my heart's attached to another gal. I reckon it's good, then, that you're still mostly tied up. I sure am glad to be loose of them ropes. My wrists raw as beefsteak. Ah, well, what's next? Well, now I take you to the hideout. Do you mind sharing a saddle with me? Well, I reckon not. Is it a far ride? No, not far. But I'll have to blindfold you after a certain point. Are you funning me? No, I reckon you ain't. All right, there just ain't no trust in the world no more.
Here he is, boys. Hey, who's that? Hey, now. What's going on? What intarnation's going oh, on? Oh, would you look at this here, boy, now. Is that really him? Oh, that's it. Quiet, you hombres. Me. Hiya, sis. Take off his blindfold. Well, hello, Dawson. I know that ain't your real name, but that don't matter. Hickam ain't my real name, neither. <laughs> Say, Birch, what are you doing up here? Don't you think it should be at the Rolling Inn? Greenslate thinks Brax and me is on a search party for Dawson here. <laughs> well, you done a good job, sis. So you're in, eh, Jake? I'm in. What's my part in this caper? Well, I got word from my contact at the bank in Prickly Pear that the payroll's going to be released Thursday. Tomorrow. Slim Sutcliffe, he's the owner of the D-Bar D, will have at least three men on that job. One to carry the cash, the other two to guard it. I'll be with Joe here to stop him on the trail, and I want you and Brax to bring up the rear. Kind of surprise him like. They'll think twice about fighting us when they see it's four to three. Alrighty, I like them odds myself. Does your contact know what time the D-Bar D men will be setting out? What time did you say, Betty Joe? Well, Jake, meet my contact at the bank. The prettiest fiancé to the head bank teller you'd ever want to meet. Why, I'm honored, sir. <laughs> Jake, it was the sweetest thing I ever done saw. She just sashays into the bank one morning, purty as you please, and afore he noted. it, that teller was wound tighter than a two-dollar watch around Betty Joe's little finger. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can sure see how it could happen. Miss Betty Joe's a mighty striking young woman. Oh, say, you didn't go by Betty Joe Hickam in town, did you? Oh no, of course not. I called myself Susan Underhill there. So that's how you'd find out when the payroll was going through, Hickam? Pretty slick. Yep. Well, we're happy to have you with us, Jake. I gotta take Brax back to the ranch and report to Mr. Greenslate that we couldn't find no sign of you. <laughs> and Joe, you better mosey back to the D-Bar D. Sabi? Okay. What was the time you said the payroll's leaving town tomorrow? I didn't say, but it's gonna be... Two in the afternoon. Two in the afternoon. See you here at one. Jake, you just get some rest and something to eat. You can flop on one of them bunks yonder. Much obliged. I didn't sleep much in that chair. Hogtied the way I was, Hickam. Well, uh, no hard feelings, I hope. Nope. Just like water under a bridge. Fine. That's fine. Well, be seeing you. Sis, you want to ride with me as far as the trail into town? Sure, Birch. Well, I'll see you tomorrow, Mr. Dawson. <laughs> Jake. I reckon you will. Adios. Dad, I'm sorry to bother you. No, not at all, Christine. 
What is it, dear? Well, last night I told you that I wanted to talk to you about something when you were done with Hickam. But in the confusion over that red-headed girl Nancy Hicks slipping out... Yes, that was puzzling. Was there any trace of her? No, she simply disappeared in the dark. But anyway, I wanted to show you something. Here. Hmm, it's a mouth organ. Yes, turn it over. See the initials scratched into it? Hmm. Oh, yes. J.D. Huh. You think that stands for Jake Dawson? Yes, Dad, I do. I think he dropped it when he was attacked. Attacked? Is that what you think happened? It wasn't dark yet when I found that mouth organ. Crescent, Jake's mare, stopped on her own in the spot where I found it. And I found flattened out grass and a small trace of blood. Well, you certainly found more than Hickam did. Mm. And speaking of Hickam, Dad, I think he's all wrong about Jake being part of these payroll robberies. I saw it the first day I met him. You saw what? In his eyes. A complete lack of cruelty. No, Dad, I bet my life that Jake Dawson is not a part of this. Chris says those words to her father, while at the same time, Jake Dimes stretches out on a bunk in the robber's hideout. Was Miss Greenslate's initial assessment of our hero correct? Or must we now stop referring to Jake as our hero? To find out what happens next, tune in to Chapter 8 of Jake Dimes, Range Detective, coming soon. Chapter 7, Joining the Gang, was written, produced, and directed by Pete Lutz and starred Dana Gonzalez as Jake Dimes, Tommy Gregg as Hickam, Christy Glick as Betty Joe, Joe Stofko as Fred Greenslate, Debbie Liao Ramirez as Lupe, Mark Kalita as Joe, and Lothar Tuppen as Brax. Your announcer was Darren Rockhold. Tune in again next time when you'll hear Briar Buck and Sheriff Conroy say... Sheriff. These two fellers on this side of the trail is from the D-Bar-D. They've both been shot. Looks like a single shot each straight through the heart. Here's another from the D-Bar-D, Buck. Same story, dang it. Hey, no. That last hombre is a-moving. He's still alive. Whoop, let's take a look. Who is he? The Jake Dimes theme was composed by Pete Lutz and arranged and performed by Dr. Ross Bernhardt. Sound effects were provided by freesound.org. This has been a 63 Audio production. Buongiorno, I am Flaudio, and I am very interested in what makes audio drama work. I want to share with you my recipe for a perfect evening, an evening for two lovers, lovers of audio drama.
When I plan an audio drama, I want to make sure that everything is perfect for us. The soundscape is the most important thing to set the mood for the night. When I lay in a special ambiance or sound effect, it is very important because it can express what I feel so perfectly. A sound effect can speak for the story when words just cannot capture the love I feel. Love I feel for you. When it is dark, I turn on the sound effects. I turn up the soundscape. And the voices can then dance in a perfect state of bliss, where there is no world except the one we make with our love. No time except what is needed for our story to play out. A story that we will make come true. This audio drama public service announcement was brought to you by The Amigos. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.